Our Bible reading today is Luke chapter 16, verses 1 to 18. That's page 1049 in your blue Bibles. Luke 16, 1 to 18. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 3,000 litres of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 1,500. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? 30 tons of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 24. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with, with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. Again, I'm Ben. I work here as a ministry trainee. Uh, should we pray and ask for God's help as we come before his word? Lord God, we know that your word is good and true. Sometimes in your word you teach us things in surprising ways. So please help me to speak clearly. Please help us to hear these words rightly. Please be at work by your spirit, not just to give us understanding of what Jesus means, but a, a deep conviction of its truth that leads to action. Please, Father, use this morning to give us a right understanding of our money and how we should use it. I pray this in the name of your risen Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The average person in the UK can give themselves the equivalent of a 25% pay rise by being an active, savvy consumer and shifting to the very best deals. Those are the words of Martin Lewis, founder of moneysavingexpert.com. Anyone heard of Martin Lewis? 
Yeah, yeah, he's pretty good, isn't he? Uh, He's this money guru. He's got this website with all sorts of tips for making the most of your money. You know, best credit cards, the best broadband deals, ICEs, LICEs, JICEs, mortgage deals. Yeah, it's a a good website. I use it from time to time. It's pretty good. Uh, Maybe you're a savvy shopper. You know, you turn up to Sainsbury's just at 4 p.m. on a Sunday and nab all the reduced foods. You go around Tesco waving your club card like in that advert and you grab all the special deals. Uh, It's good to be smart with your money, isn't it? Um, and the world does endlessly tell us that, doesn't it? You've got to be smart, got to be savvy, got to be shrewd, don't waste your money. Got to be a savvy shopper, hunt out the discounts, get on the property ladder, build up your pension pot, build yourself some security, says the world. You know, in one sense, nothing wrong with that, right? You don't want to be ripped off, don't want to waste your money. But today in our Bible passage, Jesus, he wants to take that view of money and just tweak it for us. Jesus says, yes, be shrewd with your money, absolutely. But primarily, don't be shrewd to maximize your earthly wealth. Be shrewd to invest in the kingdom of God. I think the main command in our passage comes in verse 9. Why don't you look down at that with me? Verse 9, Jesus says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So Jesus says to us, look, take some of the time and energy and resources that you put into building up your wealth here on earth and instead hoard friends in heaven by giving your wealth away. And he's going to illustrate this point for us by telling a story about a dishonest but shrewd manager. Uh, So let's get into it. We've got three points on your notice sheet. I don't know if you can see here. Three points. We'll try and go through them fairly quickly. Um, if you look here, you'll see there's an outline. Um, embezzle, embezzle your vanishing wealth for God. That's the headline, the main command. Uh, and then Jesus gives us two reasons for doing that, two motivations. Uh, and just so you know, we're only going as far as verse 13 this week. 14 to 18, I think, is a slightly different point, And we haven't got time. Uh, so first then, embezzle your vanishing wealth for God. So this parable is confusing, right? Uh, maybe as we read it, you thought, oh, sorry, What? Why does Jesus commend this dishonest manager? Yeah, I agree, it's confusing. Uh, But you know, as I've studied it this week, I have found it like really profoundly helpful for how I think about money. Um, And I pray that you will too. So let's have a look. Uh, So this parable, the main character is this man who works as a manager, you know, think an accountant, uh, for a rich man who Jesus calls the master, his boss. Okay, so you've got the manager and his boss, the master. Uh, And this manager, Jesus says, has been a bit incompetent and he finds out that he's about to lose everything. So verse two, he gets a phone call from the master, his boss, who basically says, listen, I'm really sorry, manager, but it's it's just not working out, you being my accountant. You've been incompetent, I'm gonna have to let you go. So, you know, take a couple of days, tie up the loose ends, and then I'm sorry, but you're out of here. Oh, it's a blow, isn't it, for the manager? You know, he's losing his job, losing his salary, losing his status, he's about to lose everything. Uh, And he realizes that he needs something new, a situation. It sounds pretty desperate, doesn't it? Verse three, he says, oh, my master has taken away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. Sounds like he's gonna be homeless pretty soon if he can't sort something else out. This manager really needs something new and fast. So he acts shrewdly. He has this brainwave, I know, he says. I know, I've still got my login to my boss's accounting system for a few days. Do you know what? Before I lose access to all this money, 
I'm going to use it to try and make myself some new friends. Okay. So he calls in all the other business bigwigs in the town, everyone who's done business with his old master. Uh, we pick up the story at verse 5. Uh, so the manager, he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 3,000 litres of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, make it 1,500. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? 30 tons of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, make it 24. Wow. He just wrote off 50% of one guy's debt and 20% for another. I bet those guys were delighted with this manager. I bet now they'll gladly look after him once he gets the sack. And so, hooray, this manager solved his problem, right? He's used his master's wealth to secure his future. Brilliant, well done. Now pause, because I'm sure you're all thinking the same thing. This manager, he's gone a bit further than just being savvy, hasn't he? Like, there is a word for what this manager's done, right? It's theft, it's embezzlement. He's taking something that doesn't belong to him and he's using it for himself. Those weren't his debts to write off. And that is what makes this parable confusing, right? Because in a minute, Jesus is going to go on and commend, praise this dishonest manager and say that his disciples should be like him in some way. So what does that mean? Does that mean that we should just go into our jobs tomorrow morning and just start stealing from our employers because Jesus said it's okay? Uh, Well, no, absolutely not. Please don't mishear me on that. Jesus, he is not commending dishonesty. He's not commending embezzlement. Uh, We're called to be honest in our workplaces, aren't we? Of course we are. Uh, So Jesus is not commending that. No, Jesus, he's commending the master's shrewdness. You see that word come up? The punchline of the story, I think, is verse 8. Just look how Jesus highlights shrewdness. So verse 8, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. See? So this manager, he's been so shrewd that even the master he's stolen from can't help but admire it. Jesus wants Christians to be as shrewd as this manager. Because second half of verse 8, Jesus says, the people of this world, non-Christians, are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light, Christians. Confusing sentence, but Jesus basically says, oh, I wish Christians were as shrewd when considering heavenly things as non-Christians are when they consider worldly things. You see? Jesus wants his followers to be shrewd for heavenly things. Uh, So that gets us back to our summary sentence in verse 9. Jesus says, I tell you, disciples, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. I think that phrase, gaining friends in eternal dwellings, it just basically means putting money to use for God and for the gospel. So Jesus says, verse 9, like the manager, take your worldly wealth, which, like the wealth the manager had access to, is vanishing, and use it for something eternal. Use it for something it wasn't designed for. Uh, If you like, embezzle it. Don't use your money the way the world wants you to, by, you know, buying a bigger house or a fancy car. They'll all just vanish like your money will. Maybe shrewd, Jesus says. Embezzle it. Get rid of it. Invest in eternal dwellings, the kingdom of God, something that will last. Uh, Imagine it's Christmas Day, you're kind of playing Monopoly as you do, um, and then suddenly on the radio comes a news bulletin, breaking news. Uh, In the Boxing Day sales across Britain, all shops will accept Monopoly money as payment. Wow, okay. Uh, That would change how you play Monopoly, wouldn't it? Like if you were shrewd, 
you probably wouldn't invest in monopoly hotels and monopoly properties, because, you know, in an hour, the game's going to end, they're going to go back in the box, and that's it. No, that would be silly. What you'd do is you'd take the worthless monopoly money, stick it in your back pocket, and then tomorrow, go to the shops and buy something that lasts, you know, a sofa or a bed or something. It would change the way you played the game, wouldn't it? And Jesus says, that's what your wealth is like. It's like that monopoly money, you know. You could use your money now to, you know, buy stuff, a hotel on Park Lane, a house, a pension fund, some clothes, but it's all vanishing. So don't use vanishing wealth to buy vanishing stuff. Be shrewd. Use it for something that lasts. Use it for God. Embezzle it in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, which I think raises the question, um, are you shrewd with your money? And there's two ways that you and I can often fail. Firstly, are you shrewd for the wrong thing? You know, maybe you spend loads of time making plans for your money, picking a good ISA, getting on the property ladder, building up some security on earth, but you never make plans for how your money could advance the gospel. You know, I wonder uh, if a non-Christian friend looked at your bank statement each month, what would they say? Would they say, oh yeah, that looks very sensible, you know, very shrewd use of money. You know, you're overpaying your mortgage, you're buying all your clothes on vintage. Yeah, that's very savvy, well done. Or would they say, yikes, that's a lot of money you're giving away, yeah? Like this, this Christian, they must really believe this stuff they keep saying about how their best life will be in heaven. Uh, I think if we've taken Jesus' words on board, that probably is what we should be aiming for, right? Maybe if you're honest, you are shrewd, but for the wrong thing. Uh, or secondly, maybe you're not being shrewd enough. Maybe you're not being shrewd enough. You know, you're not particularly materialistic, but you also just don't, just don't think very carefully about what you do with your money. You know, it all just kind of seems to disappear each month. There's never really any left to give to gospel work. And you think, oh, you know, never mind. In a year or two, maybe I'll have a better salary, and then I can give a little bit more. But of course, that never happens, right? Because everyone who's had a job for more than a few years knows, as soon as you get a pay rise, something else pops up and swallows that money. Um, so don't be naive. It takes planning, doesn't it, to be generous? So I don't know, maybe you're not being shrewd enough. I struggle with both those things. But Jesus says, be shrewd like the manager. Realize that your current wealth is vanishing. So get rid of it, embezzle it. Use it for the gospel. Embezzle your vanishing wealth for God. Uh, so verse nine, that was really the headline command for today, embezzle your vanishing wealth for God. Um, but now in verses 10 to 13, uh, we get two more reasons from Jesus for doing that. Uh, we'll go through these quite quickly. Uh, so firstly, point two on your service sheet, um, your trustworthiness with little matters. Uh, let me read verses 10 to 12 for us again. And notice just how much Jesus talks about trust and trustworthiness. So verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? In short, God is watching to see how trustworthy you are. You know, think back to our imaginary Monopoly game. God put us in this world with some amount of money in our bank accounts, whatever it is, 1,500 pounds when you start Monopoly. 
Uh, and God's looking to see what's Ben going to do with his monopoly money. Is he going to be foolish and try and build up a big monopoly bank balance and win the game? Or is he going to be shrewd? Realize the money's going to vanish and use it for something that lasts. If you're not trustworthy now, then you'll miss out on eternal treasures, some of them. So be shrewd. Don't hoard monopoly money for yourself in the here and now. Put it to use for something eternal. Uh, and notice, I was really struck by this, notice just how low a view Jesus has of earthly wealth uh, in, the, in these verses. So he's, he already told us, didn't he, that our wealth is going, it's going to vanish, it's not going to be with us forever. Um, we already saw that. But then verse 11, he also tells us, our worldly wealth, it's a bit gross. So let me read verse 11. Jesus says, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? That word, worldly wealth, it's a funny translation because the Greek word, it literally just means unrighteous or dishonest wealth. So Jesus says, that money in your bank account, it's a bit gross, you know, it's, it's the stuff that drug dealers do business in, it's the stuff that pimps take for trafficking women, like, is that really the stuff that you want to accumulate? Um, you know, the next time you open your wallet, next time you open your wallet, here we go, we've got a £20 note here. I don't know, I think Jesus would want us to imagine this £20 note kind of covered in slightly gross baked beans or something. I couldn't think of anything more disgusting than baked beans to use for this. I hate them. You know, imagine that your money all looks like this. I think that would change the way you see it, right? Do you want to accumulate this? Like, what would you rather have? Slightly gross worldly riches or true riches that God will give you in heaven? No comparison, right? I'm just going to clean my hand. Honestly, I really cannot stand baked beans. They're disgusting. Um, so Jesus says don't hoard worldly wealth be trustworthy do something good with it redeem it, embezzle it put it to work turn a disgusting 20 pound note into gospel fruit then in heaven you'll get true riches Jesus says God is watching prove your trust with the gross vanishing monopoly money in your bank account and then you'll get true wealth in heaven. Your trustworthiness with little matters. Uh, then the second reason Jesus gives, verse 13, Jesus says, otherwise you can't serve God. So verse 13, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's a binary choice, right? God or money. If you love God, you'll hate money. Uh, and if you love money, you'll hate God. Jesus says, pick one or the other. You can only pick one. Uh, we're short on time, so we can't spend any longer on that verse. But I think it's worth spending some time on this week, either on your own or with your home group this week. Jesus says, embezzle your vanishing wealth for God because your trustworthiness with little matters and otherwise you can't serve God. Whew. This passage is challenging, isn't it? Uh, I realise many times while writing it that I do care far too much about money and I care far too little about serving God. You know, I fail to be shrewd in so many ways every week. Uh, maybe you feel the same. Uh, so when you do feel discouraged, remember that Jesus, our Saviour, he does stand there as the one who lived the perfect life. He didn't just live that as an example to us, but you know, through his death on the cross, 
his perfect obedience, his perfect handling of worldly riches gets counted as yours. So weak sinners like you and me, we don't need to feel condemned when we get our attitudes to money wrong, which of course we will every day, because Jesus really is the perfect saviour we need. Praise God for Jesus. Uh, but as we finish then, if we really get, if we're really convicted by what Jesus is teaching us in this passage, then what would that look like for you and me in our lives? Like how can we go home today and start being shrewd? How can we start embezzling our vanishing wealth for God? Uh, I've got a few ideas. They start off easy and they get harder. Uh, so idea number one, save shrewdly. This I think is a really easy one. Uh, if you've got some savings, did you know that there are Christian banks that you can save that money with? I only found this out recently. I think it's a brilliant idea. Uh, these Christian banks, they work, they're regulated just like a normal bank, uh, but the money that's in them, it gets used to offer mortgages to churches and gospel workers who otherwise could never get one. It's great, isn't it? You know, you get a slightly lower interest rate, but your savings, they get put to work for the kingdom while they just sit there safe in the bank. I think that's pretty shrewd, to be honest, pretty shrewd idea. So, you know, very easy thing. You could save shrewdly. Idea number two, you could leave money on the table. I wonder, are you willing to turn down money for the sake of the gospel? I don't know, one example I, I had in recent years, would you turn down a well-paid, fully remote job if you realised that you wouldn't get any chances to share your faith with your colleagues? Uh, would you turn down a promotion or some overtime if it meant that you'd miss church or you were too tired to come to home group? You know, from, from a worldly view, turning down a whole shift for one hour of Bible study sounds stupid, doesn't it? But... On the other hand, maybe at that Bible study, you'd see something that would encourage you for weeks. You'd bless others by being there, and so suddenly, oh, maybe it is actually quite shrewd to make gospel work a priority at the expense of some extra cash. Oh, it's quite inspired by what Joel said just now, actually. Um, you know, he was saying that he wants to start this early Bible study because um, he, he can't make a, an evening home group. Work and life don't allow it. But he's suggesting, why not start a really early home group? That's creative, isn't it? That's shrewd. I think that's great. Uh, you know, not saying there's hard and fast rules. Everyone's financial circumstances are different. Um, I don't know what your finances look like, but if we are taking Jesus seriously, then it does need to factor pretty heavily into our decision, doesn't it? So you, you could leave money on the table. Save shrewdly, leave money on the table. Uh, next, you could give a little. Uh, I think, to be honest, giving probably is the primary application of this for most of us. You know, we don't have savings to steward or shifts and jobs to turn down, but we all have some money passing through our hands each month, right? Surely we can all give something, right? You know, whether you're a CEO or a nurse or you're retired or a teenager with pocket money. You know, the more I've thought about this passage, actually, to be honest, the more I've been struck by how great it is giving to Christian charities. Because remember how Jesus describes our wealth. He describes it as going, it's vanishing. He describes it as gross, it's worldly, covered in baked beans. So with that in mind, giving to Christian charities is amazing, isn't it? It's like a magic machine that literally turns worthless, vanishing, disgusting, uh, worldly money into gospel work. You know, stick a £20 note covered in baked beans into the machine and out the other end pops 10 Bibles for Christians in North Korea. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, you could give to our church. It's probably the natural place for most of us to start giving. Uh, you can support one of our mission parlors. You can find their details uh, in the corner at the back there. Or just pick a Christian charity close to your heart. There are so many great Christian charities you could give to. Um, these are just a few that I'm aware of, but go and do your own research. There's so many great ones. Here are some that I know of. 
Uh, there's Africa Inland Mission and Overseas Mission Fellowship. They bring the gospel to people in Africa and East Asia. Uh, locally, London City Mission, they are brilliant. Um, our mission partner, Adam Boyce, he works with them, uh, with teenagers in gangs in North London. Uh, our friend Tim Spring, many will know, uh, he's just about to retire. His ministry reaches Turkish speakers in our bit of North London. Uh, there's the Weber Street Homeless Centre in, in central London, supporting homeless people with practical needs and the gospel. Those are all things London City Mission run. I think that's a fantastic charity. Uh, there's an amazing charity in Soho called Tamar that cares for trafficked women working as prostitutes in the West End, gives them practical care, gives them the gospel. Isn't that brilliant? Uh, you could give to our network, Commission, which plants churches and gives money and training to ministry trainees and other people like me. Uh, you could support UCCF, uh, where our mission partner, Loz Oliphant, helps university Christian unions bring the gospel to students around London. Uh, there's Open Doors, who support the persecuted church. There's charities that train pastors, charities that subsidise Christian summer camps for kids who can't afford them. There's so many charities doing so much brilliant work. So just pick one. Give them something. doesn't have to be much. You can start small, you know, even during a cost of living crisis. Could you spare five pounds a month? It's a statement of intent, isn't it? You know, start with five pounds a month this winter and then put a note in your calendar. Next summer, when gas prices have dropped a bit, bump it up to 30 pounds, you know. Who knows? Don't have to start with much. Because do you get the principle of our second point in verses 10 to 12? Jesus says your trustworthiness, that's what matters. The, the kingdom of God works differently to earth, right? On earth, people care how much you give. That's why you and I could never get a hospital wing named after us, no matter how generous we are. But in heaven, no one cares about the headline amount you gave in pounds. No, in heaven, the thing you're commended for is your trustworthiness. So what do you do with what you have? If you don't have much, don't give much. I don't know everyone's circumstances, but I'm sure everyone here could give something. Save shrewdly, leave money on the table, give a little. Finally, give a lot. Told you they got harder. Uh, I expect for some, some here, we probably could, if we're honest, give a lot. Um, maybe when you're really honest in your heart of hearts, uh, you know that you are just sitting on more money than you need. And you probably just need to get rid of some. You know, you've got a decent savings account set aside for a rainy day, and that rainy day is probably never going to come, is it? Uh, and even if it does, you could probably get by just as well with 10 or 15% less. Because it, it is a rainy day right now for millions of other people, isn't it? Uh, or your monthly income, you know, maybe if you think about it, you could be shrewd, shuffle things around, and make room to give a little bit more of your income away each month. Oh, it'll feel hard. You know, oh, no, now I'm giving away 10% of my salary each month. I really feel that. That hurts. Oh, that's money I could be saving or enjoying, but it just flies away the day after it hits my bank account. Poof, it's gone. Like, yeah, that does hurt. But remember the promise we have as Christians. Because of Jesus' perfect life and his death and his resurrection, there are true riches waiting for us in heaven. Riches that will actually be ours, that will actually last, not like the vanishing, gross monopoly money we have now. Now look, that's a, that's a bunch of ideas I threw out. I don't know your circumstances. I don't know which of those apply to you. That's something for you and God to work out. But please come away from today with Jesus' teaching ringing in your ears. Jesus says, in this world, we have this vanishing, worthless monopoly money just passing through our hands each day. But there's a way of converting it into true heavenly joy. Embezzle it. Give it away. 
Jesus says, be shrewd. Use worldly wealth to win friends for yourself so that when it's gone, because it is going, when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that we have something better to build our lives around than money. Thank you that by the death of the Lord Jesus, we have true riches waiting for us in heaven. Please help us to believe the truth of this passage, that our worldly wealth, it is tiny and vanishing, but we have the opportunity now to turn our worthless money into gospel fruit. Please, Lord, give us wisdom as we work out what it might look like for us to be trustworthy with the money we've been given. Please, by your Holy Spirit, turn our gospel convictions into actions. I pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.